Welcome to the Radical Traveler Podcast, coming at you from Hue City, Vietnam. Hey, what's up everybody? My name is Brad Hirsch. My Vietnamese name is Bao. I've been traveling the world for close to 20 years here. Yo fui a Lima, Peru, como voluntario y aprendí castellano. Desde ahí, decidí que quería aprender la lengua portuguesa. Sería mi próxima aventura. Uchula se kutanghua, uchula Taiwan y gaiyue. Uchula tola italiano, autonomamente baran. Pompai prata tai fukat muy tai leo. And I feel like I'll be here for the rest of my life. My every morning starts with a 2-2-2 plan. Heck, yay! I thought about him. I like cafe. Two bottles of beer. The biggest secret to success. Happy wife. Happy life. I'll be in this beautiful city forever. I'll be joined by Brother Sam as we take a deep dive into our experiences learning Vietnamese while here in Vietnam. You know already, I only bring on folks who are the top 1% best of the best champions. Sam is one of them. He's a very humble fella, but you'll be sure to find out that his deep character and intellect, he only spits gold. No, I don't like sitting empty-handed in an artificial recording studio. This is recorded live at a classic Quan right here in Vietnam. This is what it sounds like. If you hate background noise, then this episode would not be worth listening to. If you can get over that, then you'll be glad to know we cover a lot, including how long does it take to get decent at a language? What does fluency actually mean? Fun fact, there's actually no real definition anyhow. What are the levels of language learning? We also compare notes in some of our own strategies, including the top 10 method, the five questions everyone asks you, the checkpoint method, and the urgent top 10 today. On the flip side, we talk about why methodology doesn't really matter, but what does. More broadly, I also ask Sam, what would life be like if tomorrow you didn't speak Vietnamese at all? What are some of his key thoughts on his journey? What's it like being in the expat bubble totally blind to 98% of the world? What's a good starting point in philosophy for you to make your life better while traveling the world? Why is the language the number one most urgent and relevant priority? We hope you enjoy our sit-down with Sam. The Radical Traveler Podcast, Episode 4, The Value of the Local Language. The Matrix is a system, Neo. When you're inside, you look around, what do you see? Businessmen, teachers, the very minds of the people we are trying to save. But until we do, these people are still a part of that system. Most of these people are not ready to be unplugged. And many of them are so inert, so hopelessly dependent on the system that they will fight to protect it. Sweet victory. Hello, Sam. Welcome, buddy. How's it going? Extraordinarily good. So let's set a scene here. We're um, traveling. We're out at a good old-fashioned uh, Aquan here. And it's uh, Quan Binzan. Binyan. You know, Cheap and affordable. Cheap and affordable. For the people. That's right. Good food, good beer, buckets of ice, good friends, good people. One main topic here for today, learning Vietnamese, in the case of us being in Vietnam, but anywhere a person goes, learning the local language of the country you head to. 
That's a big idea. In terms of quote quote learning the local language, uh, you've traveled to a lot of countries, but would you say that Vietnamese is the main one that you really felt like you've really dug into? Uh, in fact, it's the only one. Sure, and would you consider yourself really comfortable in, in Vietnamese? Um, I wouldn't big night myself and say I'm fluent, because fluent's a bit of a grey term. It's, uh, I'm definitely conversationable, but I mean, like, it's a it's an endless journey to learn the language. I mean, every day I'm getting caught out, so I'm never comfortable, but that's a good thing. In fact, uh, while we're on that topic, there's a lot of people who ask me the question, Hey, Brad, how long did it take you to get good at Vietnamese? How long's a piece of string? Exactly, exactly, and and I always have a hard time answering. So many factors that are involved that you can't really give a definitive answer that's accurate. Sure. Yeah. On one hand, I could say to them, it took me about four days of living here to be like, as being comfortable to the point where hearing Vietnamese doesn't bother me. I can meet people, greet people, introduce myself without an issue. I can order anything that I want at a restaurant easily. I can buy and buy anything at a uh, market, no problem. I can negotiate a cab situation. I can describe where I live. I can tell, answer the top five questions that people always ask. I can go to a large-scale gathering and get over 50% of the situations, uh, make friends, introduce myself, you know, whatever. I mean, kind of go about the top 50%, top 60% of things that I need to do. Yeah, four days. Does that mean I'm fluent? Eh, no, I wouldn't claim that. But does it mean I'm worth a damn? Yeah, I would say so. So we could define that as A1. A1 fluency. Yeah. I say functional. Yeah, yeah, functional. Speaking and listening are two very different aspects. So I'd say sure. speaking comes first. You can you can uh, cheat that one in four days. But certainly, certainly. When people ask that question, how long does it take to get good at Vietnamese? I'm like, that's an ill-defined question. But one answer is four days. Another answer would be one hour. In an hour, I could show somebody the basics and get them through. Let's say again. Ordering stuff, introducing yourself, top five questions, you know, that kind of thing. But if we were to go broader and say, how long uh, would it take to talk about all topics under all circumstances with everybody, then the answer would be never. Yeah, I'll never be there. Heck, even in the English language, if I have a transmission problem and they start talking about transmission issues and transmission parts, I'll be like, I don't know what you're talking about. If they're talking about a medical situation or a neurological illness or, you know, something like that, I would have no idea what you're talking about. We can all agree that there's specialized vocabulary that goes infinitely deep. So, sure, maybe I know how to talk about motorbikes, but if I'm talking about a piece of art, I would have a very basic vocabulary for it. So, I guess we could agree that when it comes to how long does it take to get good, good at what? Fluent at what? You know, fluent at a language? Well, fluent at talking about what? Did you agree that there's a huge gradient? So that means that question is almost by itself unanswerable. Would you agree? Yeah. I would say yes. Not just unanswerable, but it's irrelevant. Mm. It's just unnecessary to ask that question. Because mm. even if you get a definitive amount of time, I mean, does that really help you with anything? Mm. It's not really of any benefit. I mean, that, that time, the time spent asking and analyzing these questions could be time well spent learning what you're wanting right. to learn. Right, right. When they, like, let's say the United Nations tried to definitively put out, like, well, this language, the Greek language from an American speaker, would take 300 hours of dedicated practice in order to be good at it, whereas Mandarin Chinese would take 600 to 700 hours of dedicated practice. What they're doing is they're trying to quantify, you know, something from a very specific context, which is to say, like, if you were a language learning professional that spent their entire life focused on one thing and every hour of that was 100% dedicated with a professional mind to learning every intricate detail of what you're talking about, sure, 600 hours. Oh, fluency? Mm, you have some randomly, arbitrarily defined definition of what fluency means, but these are guidelines. Are they meaningful to me and Sam and you as a listener? 
Not at all, not really. Fluency by itself is ill-defined. Length of time it takes to get fluent and or get good at is ill-defined. Our one definition of fluency is ability to speak articulately with very little effort. So I would say that listening, I, I put a huge emphasis on listening. Listening comes first. And there's yeah. a lot of situations where I'd agree. And so I both disagree and agree. And, and I was just going to point out, only if we're talking about what level, right? Like, let's say we're talking about level A1. That means you first get off the boat, well, plane here in Vietnam and you're about to walk around. And we're only talking A1 only. And we're talking survival. Well, in that context, the ability to speak, for example, I want to go, I want to order, I want to have, how much money, I, I would say that that's tremendously important. Comfortable at a basic level is different, yeah. That's, yes, that's more, yes, that's yes, yes. So, geared towards speaking. It's, it's going to come back to if there's a follow-up question with anything. So, I mean, they, they do go hand in hand. You shouldn't focus on one skill more than the other, otherwise you're going to get into a lot of trouble. Mm, oh, okay. So hand in hand, we can agree on that. A1, survival stuff, I emphasize speaking for sure. Uh, if you have that and nothing else, you're doing kind of okay. Anything except survival, being able to uh, listen, understand, follow-up questions. So when I'm teaching Vietnamese, for example, to handle the listening, we're just gonna keyword and listen. But then make sure that you got the speaking part banged out. Saying something simple very well, often trumps saying something complex and hacking your way through it. For example, when I'm teaching uh, Vietnamese to folks, I will say, well, here is the five-syllable or ten-word way of saying it, and here's the one-word response or three-syllable response. It's good to know both. Make sure that you got the three-syllable one done first, for sure. Make sure that one's singing. After that singing, then you can dial it up. But if you start with the ultra complex way of saying it, oftentimes you get discouraged or it's too difficult or you have to spend too much time thinking and it's too slow. Focusing on the simple often is a trump card. Mm. A lot of language people break uh, this into six levels. A1, A2, B1, B2, C1, C2, six levels. A1 is basic survival. A2 is basic survival plus pleasantries plus quick conversation. B1 would be like, okay, let's talk about complex topics. Let's get into, oh, you study at what school? Oh, you study chemistry. How is studying uh, chemistry going for you these days? Do you like your professors? Something like that. B2 would be even more advanced. Like, is chemistry uh, an ideal topic or ideal subject to get into as opposed to getting into law? What are the career opportunities that are otherwise afforded to a person who is in law versus chemistry? Great. C1, C2 are, would be like, imagine college level, native level topics. For example, how do you feel about the overall economical uh, situation of Vietnam as compared to the economic and social policies that France has put out. Dot, 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 dot. Okay, that's, that would be C1, C2. So that's the idea of the six levels. Again, when we're giving advice here, we're talking about A, A, B, C, A1, A2, A, B, you know, and so forth. Here's a metaphor. I studied Muay Thai for a while, and I realized right away that uh, Muay Thai kickboxing is ridiculously and infinitely complex. For example, there's infinite skills to learn and infinite ways of punching, infinite angles. At any given fight, you've got to expect punches from high, medium, low, right, left, swing from the outside, swing sharp on the inside, fast, slow, quick and light, strong and powerful. But then you also have to expect kicks, kicks to the legs, body, head round and front. In other words, Muay Thai kickboxing is infinitely complex with the number of strikes that could come at a person. Likewise, there's infinite things that you could throw at another person. So, your best bet would be to learn one strike only. For example, learn elbow only. That's it. I mean, learn elbow and front kick only. 
If you're good at those two and nothing else, you're gonna win some fights. Do you wanna build on that in the long run? Sure. But if you wanna to go to a Muay Thai kickboxing camp and then walk away a week later and claim that you know Muay Thai kickboxing and can handle yourself, and you know those two things only and nothing else, again, you're gonna be doing pretty good. So, given that, learning a language is similar to Muay Thai kickboxing in the sense that if you learn some ultra basic things but get really good at it, that means you're going to be overall effective in the long run. Another metaphor would be if you want to learn to play piano or guitar, well, learn a simple song and learn what a pentatonic fifth is. Play these five notes in any order and then you can freestyle any song you want. We don't really care about the chord changes other than try to make it sound good with the notes we're playing. playing five different notes because the pentatonic scale is made up of only five unique notes. Start at the basics. Start uh, the level one stuff that makes you win right away. I would say that's extremely true when it comes to learning a language in this case. To kind of go into a different topic, I, I didn't want to point out that um, Vietnamese in this particular case was actually way easier than I thought and it's actually way easier than people build it up to be. To say it differently, there's a lot of, I guess, myths or bad ideas or weird things that are built up around a language, and learning any given language, that are insidious, they're not helpful, they're toxic. Toxic beliefs about a language in general. In this case, yeah, like in Vietnamese, there's a lot of people that just say, say things that are simply not true or they over exaggerate uh, things about the language. So I would call this toxic myths. Now, Sam, you've heard a bunch of these, man, before you even came to Vietnam your whole life. Even to this day, you hear a lot of toxic myths. What would be some examples of? A toxic myth, um, not necessarily a myth, but just toxic information. Uh, most information that you're gonna get from someone about doing something, such as learning Vietnamese or moving here, is either going to be encouraging or deterring, really. When you receive information from somebody, say, let's, let's be more specific and talk about learning Vietnamese, that a lot of people are going to deter you by saying it's too hard or this, that, and the other. That information is not really helpful or useful, beneficial whatsoever. If, if anything, it's just a deterrent. You're going to put it into a basket of being too difficult then, and you're going to push it to the side. So, I would say, Toxic's definitely a good word in terms of learning and education. Like to tell someone not to do something, you know, move to Vietnam but don't learn Vietnamese, or to, to simply say it's too hard, or the tones, or um, the different cities have different, uh, you know, accents. It's just like these are just um, cop outs for their excuses for laziness, or just uh, people want to excuse not to do something. It's, it's, it's no, it's no more complex than that. It's just a, it's a, it's a cop-out that's not useful at all and not beneficial to anybody. So, um, they have a very uh, strong filter in regards to who you listen to and uh, what's right and what's wrong. That's the key point. Yeah. yeah, that's right, that's right. So, let's drive it in with uh, examples. One example. Well... I met a person who has been working at a hostel here for about five years, uh, has never learned Vietnamese, but here's the cool thing. Uh, he's like, oh yeah, the tone difference and uh, the dialect difference between Hanoi, Hue City in the center, and Saigon in the south is so different that no matter what Vietnamese you learn, it will be completely irrelevant anywhere else you go. So. Work harder, not smarter, right? Yeah, I'm so smart. I just never learned anything ever, and that's what you should do too. I'm saying this from five years experience of living in Vietnam. Let's talking about uh, learning language here, specifically. Uh, they will come up with uh, X amount of reasons not to do it to justify their inaction. 
and and that's okay when it's only a personal decision. But when it, when you influence others in that regard, then you need to be you need to be careful of uh, people that you know uh, taking advice from people who are uneducated. Basically, mm. uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't take advice from. Uh, Someone how to fix how to how to how to fix your motorbike if they've never learned how to do that. You know, right. if, I, if I told you don't worry how to, don't 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 worry you can't you can't learn how to fix your motorbike. It's impossible. I tried, but I only did it for a day. I did it for a day and I gave up. Is my advice uh, beneficial or helpful at all? No. I did. You're taking advice from someone who uh, didn't bother to do it themselves. So uh, and they're. Their lack of honesty is contagious in terms of, uh, you know, I couldn't be bothered doing it personally, and now I'm going to tell everybody else it's too hard and and and, and de- deter them from doing it, you know. So it's, it's, and if I moved to Spain and somebody else who lived in Spain for ten years said I couldn't, you know, I, I just couldn't. It's too hard. It's impossible. Don't learn Spanish. If I wasn't careful and if I didn't have a filter, then I'd probably just trust them at their word, and then that I'd call it a day. Not gonna bother. He didn't bother. Yeah. So I'm not. But he's bother. not telling me that he didn't. He didn't try. He's not telling me that he didn't surround himself with the environment. He's not telling me all the, the, the truth behind it, such as I didn't really give it a go. That's why I can't speak it. Don't listen to someone who deters you. Listen to someone who encourages you. Boom. If someone tells you it's too hard, then don't listen to them. If someone right. tells you it's yeah, it's hard. Of course, it's hard. If it was easy, then everyone would speak every language in the world. Everyone would be a doctor. Everyone would fix motorbikes. Everyone would do everything. Yeah. But yeah. anything worthwhile takes it takes time and effort. Um, um, you know, I, I can cho- on a daily basis. I can choose to try. I can choose not to try. I can choose to say it's too hard. Put my hands up. Or I can choose to just to chip away. So I just figured um, the best rule in terms of uh, learning the language is just to try and focus on getting one percent better every day. And it sounds introspective and corny, but if you can learn a few words and one phrase and you can understand one new sentence over the course of a week, that accumulates very, very quickly. Yeah, by a month, by a year, these things add up into to mass amounts of uh, comprehension and, and, and understanding that, you know, it, 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 it can't be done quickly, but it, it, you know, it, needs, it needs time and it needs a, a conscious decision to, uh, to make an effort and a conscious decision not to listen to anybody that says it's too hard. Polyglot will never say to you, don't learn it, it's impossible. I mean, it, like that. Yeah, that a person ne- who knows never, what they're talking about will never say that. A person that. who knows what they're talking about will never discourage you. And someone who doesn't know what they're talking about will always discourage you to make themselves feel better about the situation. The amount of air that you waste, or the amount of breath that you waste on, on like analyzing and, uh, you know, and, and just shut up and learn. Just, Right. Just, just shut up and get to it. Yeah, get to Don't it. Don't think about all the barriers involved because they're just, uh, whether they're true or not, whatever, just go learn and you'll be right. You'll learn along the way. You know, that's, that's part of the course of learning. That actually might end up being beneficial in the course of learning that you do learn the different tones in the different cities, whatever. It's a, it's a very minor issue. Now, the other uh, toxic thing that people bring up, and I would say toxic, is people bring up like, oh, Vietnamese, it's, oh, is that a tonal language, yes or no? It is? I'm not gonna learn it at all. Why? Because I'm working harder, not smarter. Yeah, and tones are just impossibly difficult. Blah, 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 blah. I met one girl ways back, she's like, oh, you're in Asia? Oh, yeah. Uh, they have a lot of tones. Ma, 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 ma. Uh, they all mean different things. Don't worry, I'm working on it, but I haven't figured it out yet. To bring up that one, I was just like, oh yeah, uh, hey, and English is tonal too. She's like, no it isn't. I'm like, yeah, uh, all I want in the world is a penis. And she's like, what? Yeah, I want a penis. You have a penis. I'm like, yeah, I know I have a penis. Do you have a penis? No, I don't. Oh, I'm sorry, tones. Do you have happiness? Yeah, I have happiness. Do you have happiness in your life? I wish happiness to everybody. Tones. Yeah, actually, all languages are tonal to a certain degree. 
So as soon as the person mentions that English is not tonal, Vietnamese is totally tonal, I uh, am tone deaf and I'm unable to understand any tones from any languages no matter what, therefore, I'm not ever going to learn Vietnamese to any particular degree and that's that. Work harder, not smarter. Have you ever had a dream, Neo, that you were so sure was real? What if you were unable to wake from that dream? How would you know the difference between the dream world and the real world? Sam, you're no slouch when it comes to uh, learning Vietnamese and certainly no slouch here. In fact, I will say it, you won't, but I will say you're definitely in the top 1% of foreigners that come here to Vietnam in terms of your Vietnamese speaking ability. And Vietnamese people point that out, that's an objective fact, man. How did you approach it? Like when you first got here to Vietnam, what what exactly did you do? I mean, obviously you got into it, wanted to do it, wanted to learn the language. What'd you do? Um, oh, for the first uh, for the first six months, I didn't try at all. I didn't, I didn't I didn't care. I really didn't care at all. I didn't make an effort to learn. Oh, maybe here and there, just a few words, just for fun. It was probably it was probably sparked by. Uh, curiosity more than anything. I was just, uh, I was sick of sitting surrounded by Vietnamese people all day, every day. Like, I've chosen to live here by choice, mm -hmm. and then I'm surrounded by people every day that uh, I don't understand a word they're saying, and I hated that. It sucked. Mm. So, that was a huge motivator for me. So, the, the, the very initial process was literally curiosity. Tell me what this is, tell me what that is, tell me what that is. Repeated. I mean, it helps if you can remember, but just that initial, uh, that being proactive is a, is the is the key factor. You know mm -hmm. I mean? People say, oh, you need to join this program, you need to learn from this book, whatever. No, if you're not inquisitive, then you won't learn. You know what I mean? Otherwise, it's going to be a burden and a chore as opposed to a, something that you're making an effort to do. So uh, the initial learning process was just uh, just the basics, just. And then it snowballs from there, you know what I mean? Mm. It's like a big puzzle, you get one piece and then, you know, you get the next piece and then every now and then you make a really key key breakthrough. And I wouldn't say that I used one method specifically. Uh, I learnt in a pretty strange fashion. I, uh, and I just, uh, the, the main objective was just to surround myself in that environment every day and be inquisitive. If I didn't know how to say something in uh, Vietnamese, if I wanted to express something in English, then I'd learn how to say them in Vietnamese. I think you've got to learn on a need to know basis. Ah, need to know basis, yeah. I like that. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're going to say something every day, then learn it. If you're going to say it once a year, then don't learn it, or learn it later. Make it a low priority. Then vocabulary. So vocabulary is the key to any language. It's not grammar, it's not pronunciation, it is vocabulary. That is the, the core basis of any language. You can't say, if, if you can say five sentences, Perfectly, pronunciation, grammar, that's perfect. But if your vocabulary stops there, then you're stuffed. Key takeaway was that I chose to do it as opposed to not, not doing it. I chose to say I'm going to try as opposed to it's too hard. That's right, and every minute, even right here when we're looking at the menu, well, uh, a person could easily say like, Oh, I'm just gonna order what I know. Or, uh, do you wanna order something new and walk into the kitchen and be like, what is this? Can you explain it for me? Hey, let me pull out my phone and type this in using a Vietnamese keyboard into Google Images and actually look at the image. Are you gonna ask the person here, can you explain this another way? Can you translate it for me? Or are you just gonna be like, ah, I'm just gonna order what I know, done. Crossroad, deciding to learn a language is not a one-time decision. I mean, it, it, it's a it's a ten times a day, hundred times a day decision. You either, you either learn or you don't. You either you either start or you don't. You either curious or you're not. Indeed, and um, don't get caught up on methodology so much. I would definitely like echo you, that. You really yeah. want to split hairs about what's the best way to do anything in life that you don't end up doing it. Um, I, would, I would say it's the same for when I was working in the gym. You know. Uh, so many people that weren't gym goers, I want to do this, what's the best way to do it? And they'd ask me for six months to a year 
on methodology of how to do something and they'd never end up doing any of it or following any of the advice I gave them. Right. Which I just thought, what's the point? Yeah. You've wasted my time, you've wasted your own time and you've, you've pissed me off in the process because you've just, you've talked about all these things you want to achieve and do and breaking it down and splitting hairs and let's... Uh, should let's, I do three sets of yeah, ten yeah. or should I do four sets of twelve? But the guy who's I doing do... it, the guy who's <laughs> doing it but he's doing it wrong is still going to get better results than the guy who's not doing it. So, so there it is. Yeah. So the guy that's set. learning uh, learning a language and he's doing the, the worst way possible, whatever that may be, not effective, he's still going to do better than the guy that is just sitting there analyzing how to learn it. Do something! Do! Don't think! Think! Don't hope! Do! At least you can come up and say, I did this! Or I shivered it! Or I played on! At least I did something! Yeah, Mr. 200 IQ. Yeah, 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 yeah. I... Given that fact, like, basically from 7 in the morning until psh, I go to sleep, every minute of my day was 100% all in Vietnamese. Every sign that I see, I look at, and I'm like, what does that mean in Vietnamese? Or oh, that's in Vietnamese, what does it mean in English? Every thought that I'm thinking, I'm like, what is that in Vietnamese? Every piece of news I watch, what is that in English? You know, let's just say. So, how many hours do I spend a day learning Vietnamese? I don't know. I don't even consider it, quote, quote, sitting down learning Vietnamese. I'm spending my, how many days do I spend fully speaking Vietnamese for every sentence, every thought, all the time, always. So, when I have friends who are like, hey, what's the best method? Should I use the flashcard method? Should I use the, you know, iTalking method? Should I, uh, should I spend one hour per day for seven days? Or should I spend two hours a day, three times a week? I'm like, whoa, 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 you're asking the wrong question. Actually, learning a language is a hundred minor decisions a day. Really? The hundred times a day that Vietnamese is in front of you, do you say yes and learn it and dig in or no? Not dig in and find a shortcut. I studied Spanish in high school. Well, technically junior high and high school, so that would equate to about six years in total academically. Awesome. So far, so good. And then at the age of 17, upon graduation from high school, I moved to South America, specifically in Peru. So far, so good. Man! I had a decent backbone, foundation, and so forth, grammatically or otherwise. That was pretty handy, I got to admit. However, I still was unable to buy a belt. I was still unable to negotiate what I want at a restaurant. I was still, I didn't have survival Spanish fully banged out. In fact, that angered me a little bit that in six years I wasn't prepared to survive. Could I write something mildly eloquent in a certain context? Absolutely. But in the end, after three months in Peru, I boil it down and I was like, Brad, you got a top 10, man. What are the top 10, or better put, top 20 verbs that you need to live? Think, do, say, buy, want, like, love, have, you know, let's just say. If you have the top 20 verbs, you're laughing, survival-wise. If you have the top 20 nouns, you're doing great. Top 20 uh, adjectives, you're doing great. In fact, with just the top 20s, you know, and those categories, you can say about 60 to 80% of what you want to say is handled. So, in retrospect, I had a, a couple of my friends who are first arriving and first learning Spanish, and I was like, uh, okay, you've never taken a class in your life, huh? Well, here's the top 20. Learn, I want, and then learn the word go. All right, yo quiero. All right, sweet. So now you go to a restaurant and you say, I want beer. Yo quiero beer. You win. And the word go is ir. Yo quiero ir. Got it. How do you say I want to go to the airport? Yo quiero ir airport. Ah, in Spanish, it is aeropuerto. Oh, yo quiero ir aeropuerto. Got it. Um, I want a taxi. Uh, yo quiero taxi. Got it. I want tequila. Yo quiero tequila. Got it. Yeah, in other words, if you got the top 10s or top 20s, you're laughing. When it came to learning future languages, 
I didn't bother learning things academically, but rather I learned by focusing in the top 20s. So when it came to Mandarin Chinese, for example, I got a SparkNotes cheat sheet that already had top 100 verbs, top 100 nouns, top 100 adjectives, all aspects of time, all numbers, already written on the SparkNotes cheat sheet. And then I applied those to flashcards because a normal human can learn 20 words an hour, a mildly medium intelligence, medium difficulty language under most circumstances, about 20 words an hour. A slow person and or ultra difficult language, maybe five an hour, fine. But no matter what, how long does it take to learn top 20, top 20, top 20, top 20? A weekend? Seriously, a couple days to just focus on the top 20s. So when it came to learning Mandarin Chinese, yeah, I spent basically one day. Found out with Mandarin Chinese monosyllabic languages, actually they're a heck of a lot easier. A good example of this is the word to go. In English I could say go, yesterday I went, he goes, I have been, he is going, that kind of thing. We have conjugations. In Spanish it's even more complex, there's about 60 conjugations, but in, in Vietnamese it is de. Yesterday I de. Yeah, yeah, we all de. Yeah, he de. I have de. Yeah. So, in the case of learning Vietnamese, I need to learn one word, two letters, instead of 60 verb conjugations. Sweet action. Uh, Mandarin Chinese, or Vietnamese, is actually easier than other languages for that reason. To learn the top 20 verbs is, well, takes about an hour. Learning the top 20 nouns takes about an hour. Learning how to count to 10 takes about 10 minutes, but let's just say that takes an hour. Well shoot, four hours deep, you're sitting pretty good. You can say an incredible amount of things. In the case of me personally coming to Vietnam, I'm like, well, I'll bet the top 20 verbs that you need in Vietnamese probably match up exactly with the top 20 verbs you ever need in any language in any country ever. Yeah, turned out to be true. So as a matter of fact, in one day, I sat down and banged out the top 20 verbs in Vietnamese, top 20 nouns, top 20 adjectives, and how to count. Well, heck, uh, all you need now is did, will, am currently. Sweet. From there, you could add in like, please, thank you, and of course, top 10 pleasantries, top 10 situations you're gonna be in, top 10 things you're gonna order off a menu, top 10, top 10. All of this can be done in a weekend, my friends. I don't wanna argue that one weekend's worth and learning all the top tens will be superior to four years of college academic study. That's not the point. The point is, can you go there and be functional and survive based on knowing the top 10 or top 20 in each category only? I would say in Vietnamese that is absolutely true. Absolutely you can uh, get it done. Would you agree that if a guy had top 20, top 20, top 20, that they would be doing decently okay? Yeah, if you got top 20, you're doing very well. Right. Like most languages, uh, the conversation tends to revolve around the, the, the real basics, and to, unless they're in very deep conversation, then uh, the, the functional conversation is uh, quite a limited amount of vocabulary. One quick example is, there's a top five questions that all Vietnamese people ask you every single time. So if you're going to pick a starting every point, every single time, every single time, without doubt, without doubt. Okay, so in Vietnamese, what are the top five? Uh, what's your name? Bantani. Bantani Han. Where are you from? Can do nook now or nook now, nook more. How old are you? Bao tui. Maybe uh, are you married yet? Có vợ chưa? Yeah, lại chưa? Lại chồng chưa? Some instances, many instances, how much money you're making. Yeah, or ban. It's a common theme. Lương, lương, bao nhiêu. Yeah. Which is, uh, once again, cultural. It's sort of impolite in other cultures, but over here, whatever. You earn this much, whatever. We ask. I don't know your name yet, I'm still going to ask how much you earn. Normal. So it's good to become familiar with that. All. Right. And, uh. Ban lam ye, what do you do? What's your job? Yes. It's generally, uh, you know, if you can get those five under your sleeve, then you're good to go. A lot of folks overly focus on 
I gotta learn 100% of the language so that 100% of all people understand 100% of what I'm saying 100% of the time. And I would argue that's an impossible goal. Heck, even in English, 100% of people don't understand 100% of what I'm saying. In contrast, I think a better goal, especially in the beginning, would be, I just want four out of five. I want 80% of people to understand 80% of what I'm saying 80% of the time. Well, that's actually shockingly easy. You can bang that out pretty quick in a weekend or in a week if you really get after it. Or I want to understand 80% of the questions that people ask me 80% of the time. Well, top five. Yep, we're right back where we started, man. Top five. So anyway, I heavily use the top five method because I'm based on two decades of experience of learning languages. I would say if you just top five it and did nothing else, man, you're sitting pretty darn good. If you skip the top 10 and top 20 and you just try to approach it from a random direction, it's gonna take you a long time, maybe years, decades, or never, until you figure out the top 10 words that you need 80% of the time. So, focus on A1 survival top 10 first. If you focus on A1 top 10 first, and nothing else, just that, just survive, that's a good starting point, and then you can kind of build from there. Then you've got the confidence, like, oh my gosh, I can order anything I want. I can get a bond sandwich, I can order a hotel room, I can get a taxi, I can go anywhere I need to go. I can buy and sell anything, go to any market, go anywhere. And then I can build my the rest of my A2, B1, B2, I can build it around that foundation. Learn what you need to know. Learn what you need to know today. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Hey, here's another strategy that I have found in my own experience to work well. When I first got to Vietnam here, I ended up going to this little shop. You know, it was just a little tapua, a little general store. But you know, I became good friends with the, the gal there. I had my morning beer, morning coffee, and said hello and this and that. But I had a classic standard thing that I did every day. Ingredient number two in this is she speaks zero English. Terrific. So what I would do is actually, as I'm sitting at my, you know, little room there, I'm about to go to the general store, about to have breakfast. I know that we're about to talk about what did you do yesterday? What are you about to do today? So knowing that, I'm sitting in my room at seven in the morning, let's say like, hmm, what did it I do yesterday? Well, I went to the Citadel. Ah. What is Citadel? Ah, and then uh, today I'm going to the beach. Oh, what is beach? All right, sweet. Uh, I'm going to rent a bicycle. What is the word rent and what is the word bicycle? Okay, what is it? Ah, yesterday I met two new friends. Toy Okay, sweet, got it. So I would actually learn all this and then go to my morning general store and be like, oh yeah, And needless to say, she was like, hey, good job, nice. In short, she wasn't a language coach, but rather she was a, um, a lightning rod, a grounding unit, a common thing I've got every day, a checkpoint that I've got to hit every day to summarize yesterday and summarize what I'm about to do today. But by having that consistent ground point, checkpoint every single day, I can measure progress really well. And along the way, I have a reason to study, learn, figure out how to say this kind of thing, and so forth. A metaphor for this would be, I'm super lazy and I don't like running in, in general. Be that as it may, I'm a marathon runner. But usually I only train for the month before a marathon. In other words, if I have an event coming up, I'm like, let's get it. All right, better buckle up. Yeah, and better go. But if there's no event to do, I'm not gonna run for damn, you know? So having a daily checkpoint 
or a daily person that you talk to consistently every day. And this doesn't have to be a paid teacher of any kind. This can be anybody. This could be a coffee buddy. This could be your, your Boone Hen lady. This could be your general store person. This could be your whatever. This could be the, the lady sitting at a market selling fruit outside of your house. So be it. Whatever the case is, if you pick a consistent point that you go to every day, they get to know you, they understand you well, and you can start, you can continuously build on what you said yesterday. You know, what you're doing today, what you're doing tomorrow. Uh, in your own case, you know a lot of Vietnamese people, and in fact, uh, you worked side by side with quite a few drivers, for example, but you had quite a few consistent people you talked to every day. Is that right? Uh, just like what you're saying, just learning, learning on a day-to-day -day basis. What do you want to say on that day and then going and learning it prior to going to doing? Prior to talking about it. Yeah, exactly. Just uh, prepping, prepping in advance, you know what I mean? Learning in advance for what you want to say for that day. I lived in Taiwan for a while and I was learning Mandarin Chinese. Well, I'm about to go to the, the zoo as an example. Alright, well, what's the word zoo? What are my favorite animals that I want to see? Well, ding, 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 ding. Why don't I pull up the website for the whole zoo itself? And then why don't I read it in Mandarin Chinese? Okay, and then let me look in English in the dictionary. Alright, great. Which subway stops or MRT stops am I going to have to hit along the way? Dot, 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 dot. Alright, sweet. So, before I wake up in the morning, I'm already prepped. Where do I want to go? What do I want to see? What are the main key points? I can actually verbally, without a map, wake up and then take the MRT from stop to stop and ask verbally, You know, I want to go to the Chalong Station. Where's that? Oh, okay. And I can get right there. It's not an accident. That all comes down from doing that prep ahead of time. So it's kind of like top 10, top 20, but what do I need today? What do I need tomorrow? What do I need right now? I'm not gonna learn two million words. I'm only gonna learn 10, but what 10 do I need? This is your life, good to the last drop. Doesn't get any better than this. This is your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. This isn't a seminar, this isn't a weekend retreat. Let's talk about your life now. Describe your sadness, the feeling that you would have if tomorrow you woke up and you didn't have any ability to speak or understand any Vietnamese at all. Like. In other words, a side-by-side -side contrast to your life right now, as you know it and experience it, compared to your life right now in the same country, same everything, but missing Vietnamese. What would be the difference between those two? We'll just narrow the scope of living here to about 2% of what I can do now. I can't do anything, I can't meet anybody, I can't function, I can't go to strange places, I can't get lost and be comfortable. Um, literally every single situation that you uh, encounter throughout the day, then uh, it's difficult and more so unpleasant. If you're in the middle of nowhere and you don't, you're not familiar with uh, any of the language, and I think language and culture goes hand in hand. You know, if you don't, if you're not familiar with the language, and certainly not familiar with the culture. So, like, if we come to this place where we are now, which is quite far out of town, um, it'll be an unpleasant situation because I can't communicate with anybody here besides smiles and hello. Can't ask for directions. I can't order. I can't uh, make new friends. Uh, it would take the best parts of living in the country out of it. Really because there's only a very, very small, specific area where you can function using English in, in, in this country specifically, and probably in a lot of countries, uh, that you uh, that you need to uh, improvise. Uh, if you only speak your native language and you come in and you usually live here, then it's not gonna. You're not really getting a full perspective of what's going on, uh, and life just sucks. Really. Mm. Just if, you, if I reverse it and someone who's Vietnamese comes to Australia and they don't speak English, let's go there. They really are stuck in that scope of going to work and going home. Mm -hmm. And they go to the local pub with a bunch of Aussies? No, can't communicate with them. 
Uh, can I go make new friends? No. Can I ask for directions? No. Everything's uh, just a, a burden and a chore. And then you'd probably associate that with, uh, I don't really like this country, but it's not really because you don't like the country, it's just because you can't, you can't really uh, give advice on or tell someone how that place is. Uh, you know, if you've been here, if you've been here for ten years and you don't speak any language and you don't hang out with local people, then uh, I wouldn't listen to you on advice. Or, or if I was to ask you how the country is, I wouldn't. I'm not the kind of person I want to ask because uh, you've only been to one or two places and you can't communicate and you can't do anything on your own. So your your perspective is not a, a genuine perspective on how things really are. Yeah, so, so if I was to not if I was to not know the language, I probably wouldn't live here anymore. Well, it's revolved around the people that I know now that is due to speaking the language, the, the work opportunities that I have, a lot of them, due to meeting people through the language, uh, friends that I've got here, once again same time. So if I was to take all that away, I'd probably still be in that sort of like that that, that honeymoon period wears off very quickly of where you come here and it's all exciting and you don't need to know Vietnamese, it's just fun. But after a certain period of time, it just kind of sucks. Because you're very stuck in a very small scope of what you can do. You're like a toddler, you become like a you become like a bit of an infant again. You might, you might be the king in your country and you know everything, but you come here and if you can't function then you suck. If you can't order food and you can't go somewhere and you can't get directions and you can't get lost and work well, then you suck. And life's gonna suck. And you're gonna go, oh, I hate this country, no one speaks English. But it's your decision, your conscious decision, decision to, to live here. So, I mean... Uh... That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage. Born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. You know prior to coming here, it's not their native language. But if you know these things prior to coming, then don't come here and say, oh, it's so hard, you know, it's really difficult, uh, this, that, you know. I went five minutes out of town the other day and no one spoke English. It's like, you don't, you're not in Australia anymore, you're not in America, it's, it's Vietnam. You know what I mean? So, so uh, really, you shoot yourself in the foot, you know what I mean? Like, and you're wondering why it's hurting, it's just like, uh, you want, to, you want to live here and you want to enjoy it, but you're not really doing what it takes to, to see the see the full country for what it is. Well, and, and if we were just to talk practicalities for a second, like as a small example, I had a buddy of mine, he lives a little bit outside of town, uh, awesome by the way, the only place he buys anything is Big C, which is fine by itself, however, that's like 5k from his house okay so that means every time he wants a cup of water or a soda or a case of beer he's got to load up on his motorbike and drive all the way across town and they sell everything next door for half the price yeah, that's just it that's just it seven liters of beer costs three hundred thousand like 15 bucks a bottle of water costs you know thirty thousand a buck and a half Whereas, again, literally in this particular instance, literally outside of his front door. Okay, and I'll like, deliver it to you. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. <laughs> exactly. So I walk across the street and, I, and I'm like, you sell beer? Oh yeah, we sell nine liters for seven bucks. Yeah, of course you do. I know that, but he doesn't. And, uh, oh no, we sell six liters of water for a dollar. So, like, you get five times the water, ten times the water for, you know, a third of the price. Like, you get the idea. But he was blind to that completely because he's missing 99%. You know, he's missing the language. You take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. And actually, the total number of words that you need in order to pull this off, have, want, go, buy, drink, uh, do the job. Being able to count to ten would be helpful. And then, I don't know, beer, water, food. You can get by in the top five, count to ten, and a top three. I can teach you that in 20 minutes. Yeah, but he didn't do it. 
four years into it, he still drives his ass all the way across uh, the entire town to Parker's motorbike in the basement, take the elevator up. And I wonder to myself, like, gosh darn, why is this so obvious to me that you would just walk across the street? And why is it so difficult for you to fathom to walk across the street? Your language. And you brought up the example of somebody going to Australia. And I can safely say in English, we have an incredible number of folks from other countries that live in America, which I personally welcome. I think that's great. I think it's a good thing. Now, we have a lot of folks from, let's say, Laos and Vietnam and Hmong speakers in our, in our neighborhood. I just bring up to my American friends, if there's a father of a family, let's say he was a mayor and police chief and a millionaire back at, at home. In other words, he's the most respected guy in his entire village. And then he moves to America with no ability to speak English, no concept of how bank accounts work, how the law works, how American is, anything, no concept of anything. What would his life be like? Well, describe it to me, which is easy to do based on experience. Well, <clears throat> can't meet any of the neighbors, goes to no neighborhood parties, doesn't even bother voting because he doesn't even see it on the news, unable to watch TV because he doesn't understand any uh, type of TV, no newspapers of any kind, opening a bank account. Well, you better bring your six-year-old son yeah, who can translate on your behalf? Oh, your kids want to go to school and the school principal wants to talk at a parent-teacher meeting? Yep, you're going to have your six-year-old or ten-year-old son dictate all the terms. Whatever the son translates becomes fact. Yeah, because you don't speak English. Good luck. Oh, getting a job? I mean, sure. Factory, I guess. Sure, maybe. But uh, navigating anything more complex than walking in, doing blue-collar work and walking out? It's impossible meeting anybody, socializing with anyone, ordering food, using a phone. You don't even have a phone number. Yeah, unless you're calling your other Hmong friends. And tell me, Mr. Anderson, what good is a phone call if you're unable to speak? Yeah, in other words, by missing English, it's safe to say you're missing 99% of the culture, society, gatherings, news, media, situations, communications, important shit, and details. So that's an obvious thing from an American's perspective. However, an American will go to, let's say, Cambodia, and then be shocked and horrified that they only have access to 1% of the country once they get there. Right. I would say it's tremendously analogous. Most importantly, respectability respectability this isn't often talked about but if you were to in the example in america if you were to question the hundred neighbors that live next to said guy many of them be like i don't even know who he is or if they do know him be like he smiles a lot is he a nice guy i don't know would you allow him to do your taxes no would you allow him to look over your kids no would you want him to paint your house? No. Would you trust him with a bunch of money to make a look? No, 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 no. He's fun to look at, fun to wave to, fun to say hi to and smile at. He's not fundamentally smart, nor is he a person I would fundamentally trust. Nor is he a person I would look at, point to and say, wow, that guy's a smart guy. No, it wouldn't happen. Now, coming to Vietnam, it's a little different in the sense that an English speaker is automatically viewed as, well, he must be brilliant, must be rich, must be have everything all put together. Cool, cool, cool. But the fact is, you're not deeply respected as a Vietnamese person, fundamentally. Because, let's face it, you're not even able to introduce yourself, you're not even able to pick up a phone, you can't even call a taxi cab, you can't even read a newspaper, you can't even, like, ask for more ketchup. You can't even ask for a bucket of ice. You can't even buy anything on your own. You fundamentally need to be babysat for every single intricate aspect of your life. I mean, hell, find out where the bathroom is unless they know the word bathroom. You can't do anything on your own. You are not special. You are not a beautiful or unique snowflake. You are the same to
decaying organic matter as everything else. Sure, can you live in that world indefinitely? Sure, a lot of people do. But you're fundamentally missing 99% of the world. And you're fundamentally seen as an idiot. You're not considered to be a person who is fundamentally capable of doing anything. Hell, even the lottery ticket people, when they're trying to sell lottery tickets, won't even approach you because they're like, uh, you're fundamentally incapable of me asking you, can you buy this lottery ticket, yes or no. Right. So, yeah, I, I guess missing the language is actually quite devastating in terms of being viewed as a capable individual. I mean, sure, might you be viewed as a capable English teacher? Probably. As a reasonably smart person in your own right? Probably. Are you going to have people that are going to approach you and say, I will give you money to teach me English, what you know? Sure, that's probably going to happen. But again, fundamentally, are you viewed as a smart person, yes or no? You are not your job. You're not how much money you have in the bank. You're not the car you drive. You're not the contents of your wallet. In the case of me going to my wife's village, they don't care about learning English from me and they don't care about how much money I have. They don't care, you know, where I come from. We're sitting around talking about life and we're sitting around being real with each other. Are you able to do that? Yes or no. Are you able to talk with people or are you a bump in the log sitting there staring off into space? Are you in the bubble? Yes or no. So, yeah, it becomes rather critical the further deep you go. Certainly if a person wants to live here long term as opposed to, let's say, traveling through two weeks, cool. Do what you do you. Then just learn how to order stuff. Fine. But if you want to make your life here and you want to call yourself Vietnamese and you want to call yourself a person who lives here long term, well, respectability all of a sudden becomes more important, doesn't it? So, in your own case, what you're telling me, Sam, is if Vietnamese all of a sudden got taken away from you right now, just snap of the fingers, magically, then your respectability, your social network, uh, how people view you, your view of yourself, your ability to navigate the world, all of that would disappear. And what you'd be left with would be unsatisfying. Did I hear you right? Oh, if you want to uh, fly over the ocean and call it blue and say you saw the ocean, do that. That's fine. But if you actually want to learn the ocean, throw on the scuba gear and dive it. If you want to move to Vietnam and say, I'm a Vietnamese person that really gets it, that really lives here, well, then dig in and actually do it. Your life becomes more fulfilling. Everything becomes more fun. Everything becomes more joyous. Every angle of your life, everything from shopping, food, money, relationships, people, society, where you choose to eat, what you choose to eat, everything changes for the better when you speak the local language. Is that right? Thanks for joining us, y'all. We'll see ya. Good luck. Cheers. Do not try and bend the spoon. That's impossible. Instead, only try to realize the truth. There is no spoon. Then you'll see that it is not the spoon that bends. It is only yourself. Nơi tôi đang sống bao lâu, ai ai cũng mến thương nhau. Những con người bao đời vui buồn cùng sức chia nhau. Nhớ về núi ngu hành nhớ thương người dòng làng. Ghé hồng lĩnh kiên cường chớ quên thâm dòng hương. Cảm nhận vì bi đậm đà, tình bạn càng thêm mặn mà. Yêu người miền trung hiền hòa, yêu hoài vùng đất quê ta. The Vietnamese have an expression: càng đông càng vui, the more the merrier. I hope your future is filled with countless new friends as you open your mind to the other 98% of reality. When learning a language, taking that first step is the trickiest, 
but also the most rewarding. I do offer consulting and help especially about survival language skills. I've got a bunch of free stuff on my website and on YouTube that you can check out for yourself. I sincerely appreciate your time spent here with me. In closing, you'll hear the rest of the song playing in the background, Let Your Passion Flow. You'll also hear a touch of one of our local rappers from Hue City, Dr. Kwan. Perhaps you don't often listen to music in other languages. With a little patience, I think you'll see the beauty of Vietnam. This is what my normal life sounds like every day. Stay smiley. See you next time. And remember, there is no spoon. sao tàu này chờ thật nhanh để về kịp giờ cả nhà đón giao thừa mẹ thì nấu bánh trưng ba chuẩn bị mứt gừng linh của tôi lung linh sung sinh bên áo mới chờ tôi tới nắm tay ring ring những điện thoại lên và ok như chị đang ở mô và mua thêm thùng muda mập có ngay chưa hùng ai Hãy subscribe